All right, I'm joined by Justin Herzig, who is the co-founder of Own the Moment. It is a podcast for everything you need to be successful at NBA Top Shot. I've known Justin for many years. Uh, he's been a part of the sports industry for quite some time, and he is a big fan and supporter of NFTs, crypto, and in particular, NBA Top Shot. And we got into it a little bit on Twitter, so I wanted to have him on the How to Play the Game podcast, which we haven't been taping very much in the past few months, but I th feel like this will be a really good interview. How are you doing, Justin? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It is uh, fantastic. Get a chance to record this with you. Obviously, been a fan of the show, uh, been around for a while, and uh, anything that Darren is creating always has its own rocket ship to the moon, so glad to be on. Thank you, and, and, and maybe we'll even get... So how, how did the rocket ship and the moon come about? Do you know? That's crypto days. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I don't even, I don't even think it started with the Dogecoin, but Dogecoin, you've got, got the dog that's riding it to the moon. I think it's just a general from the beginning of crypto days of, Hey, we're just going to hodl this and hodl it all the way to the moon. And you just go along for the ride. And eventually, uh, you know, you can't get off a rocket ship. That's going too fast. You just hold on, hang on. And eventually you're going to be at your journey. All right. I'm going to go. Yes or no questions. Rapid fire. Do you own Dogecoin? No. Do you own Bitcoin? Uh, I don't. I don't own any crypto, but I have a wife who works in the crypto industry, and that's how, as a couple, we are heavily invested. Um, but as an actual indiv individual, I, mean, I own small amounts, but it is not significant. I know the answer to this. Top shot, yes. Yes. And uh, what about digital art? Do you own any of that? I'm interested. Um, I do not... I do not own any right now, but if you ask me again in a couple of weeks, I think that answer could change. It's something I'm very interested in. Okay. And I kind of want to get into that. Like, why might that change? So first of all, as somebody who's been very involved in Top Shot, if you had to explain it to someone in, let's say, 30 to 60 seconds, how would you describe it? Yeah. Top Shot is a digital representation of sports cards that are built on the blockchain in partnership with the NBA, so specifically basketball highlights. Um, because of the new technology we have, we can actually prove the scarcity. We can understand everything about these from when they are actually created, who owns them, how many they own, what their status is. Um, and it really takes collectibles specifically around sports cards to the new digital age. When did you first purchase a Top Shot? About a month ago, uh, maybe five weeks. Um, you know, Jonathan Bales, who's big in the daily fantasy sports industry, he and a couple of um, his friends, people that I also know pretty well, uh, made a large purchase of $35,000 for a John Morant number one rookie. And he also wrote an article that kind of sent shockwaves through specifically the daily fantasy sports industry, but then larger. And uh, that is what kind of triggered the first public awareness, the first kind of jump in value on the site and i'd say it took me about 48 hours because i went into it quite critical um i went into it being like if this is worth thirty-five thousand, they can just continue to print however many they want like where's the scarcity here how do we know the site isn't just going to continue to profit up this and we're all going to get caught holding the bag and took me about 24 hours maybe 48 to be like holy crap this is great and uh there's lots of things that are built in to ensure that there's going to be continued value long-term rather than just a site that is pumping things out to try to make a quick buck. 
What is it that particularly got you interested and has made you even more interested over time with regard to this product? Yeah, so funny enough, actually, uh, so we know that the sports card physical industry has been doing quite well over the past year. Uh, in December, I was actually in the design element of building a company around sports cards, physical cards. And what I realized is that it is a very cumbersome friction market where if you want to understand how much your cards are worth, if you want to try to sell them, you got to then get them graded. You got to sell them on eBay. You're not sure what they're worth. You're not sure if they're counterfeit, they're fraudulent. So there were just a whole bunch of pain points around this collectibles market for physical sports cards and literally was building a company. I was going to build a fractional marketplace where we would hold the actual physical card and there are some other elements to it. And then Topshop came along and all those pain points that I was building a company around to solve were solved through a digital nature because now you don't need to worry about is this fraudulent because through the blockchain, you can see where it was created and ensure its authenticity. You don't need to worry about what is the value of this because there's a marketplace right there with a high level of fluidity. So you can see all the previous sales. You don't need to worry about, oh, do I need to kind of hold this? What if my card gets damaged? What if it kind of the edge kind of bends over? None of that matters. You don't even have the grading element because it's all done right in front of you in a digital, digital manner. And when you combine that with all this other momentum around NFTs, non-fungible tokens, around how we live in this digital age, Mark Cuban wrote a great article on this where he really talks about forward-looking what this world is going to look like as new generations, more digital front generations. That digital world is where we really are living in. It makes sense that our assets, our collectibles also are digitally driven. And I get the whole concept of authentication, uh, particularly on the blockchain. Uh, and, and in terms of non-fungible tokens, NFTs, are you able to also describe that succinctly? I mean, do you have an appreciation for what that is separate and apart from Topshop? Yeah. So my background, actually, after Darren and I worked together in the sports world, I kind of sold out, went corporate, and since 2014 have been working on enterprise blockchain technology. So not so much in the crypto space, but the underlying technology of blockchain. And it really was a weird kind of coming together of my sports background as well as the blockchain for Topshop in here. And so a little background on what NFTs are, non-fungible tokens. Uh, so Dapper Labs, the parent company of Topshot, actually first started this, um, and or not the first, but um, one of the first with CryptoKitties. A lot of people are familiar with CryptoKitties, but it's the idea of a digital collectible where it can be created, minted on a blockchain, and you can prove that the uniqueness of that individual. So with, you know, if I send you a picture of me um, that I downloaded off Facebook, you can go send that to 100 people and no one's going to know what the original is. With these non-fungible tokens, when one is created, you can prove actual ownership. You can prove uniqueness of that one digital moment. So now we have this idea that if you want to prove an actual, you know, a collectible item that is not only authentic, it's scarce, but you can prove your true ownership of it, that's where this new age is. So it's no longer you get a picture of the Mona Lisa and, you know, yes, the real Mona Lisa has the value, my picture doesn't, but you can actually create art where you are the true digital owner of that piece. And that's where the non-fungible token aspect, and it's not a great name. We may not call them anything other than NFT, like we think of an MP3 in the future. But the idea is, is just a digital 
asset that you can prove the uniqueness, the ownership, the provenance, everything. Is the NFT's only application for collectibles or can this expand beyond Top Shot, digital art, et cetera? Yeah, and, and you can just think of it as a digital asset. Um, and we're already seeing it with in the more enterprise world. And so let's think from a digital asset standpoint of diamonds. Um, a, you own a physical diamond. You're going to propose to a wife. So you go and you buy that diamond. And that diamond can be characterized by 30 different unique variables. And so you can create basically a digital fingerprint of it. Now, you give that diamond to your wife or your fiance, becomes your wife and she loses it and it pops up at a pawn shop or you work with the insurance companies, if they find that diamond, they can go back and look at its fingerprint and say, okay, here's what that, you know, who actually has that ownership of it. So you're having a digital representation of it, a digital asset. Um, the non-fungible token is kind of that version two of it, where initially it was, okay, this is a representation of a real world physical asset. And now we're just replacing that. And we're seeing corporations start to do this where, you know, with cars, they can actually track the whole life cycle of a car from in the plant all the way to the um, you know, junkyard and showing what had happened in an accident, what um, repairs were done to it, when it got oil changes. And everything that happens to that car is happening to the digital asset of it as well. So that data is tracked. So when I sell that car, I'm also selling you the digital rights, the digital asset of it. And these are examples, and there's going to be significant more um, that not only collectibles, but enterprises, corporations, um, it's going to be a major part of our lives. And the thing is, we're not going to know it. We're just going to think of it as, oh, yeah, I've got that in my digital wallet. I've got that in my uh, online account. So let's go back to Top Shot. And I, I want to challenge you with some things that people have said questioning the validity, validity or longevity of Top Shot. One is, what do you actually own? People say, look, this is a license by the NBA, by the NBPA, which is the union for the players, providing rights to Dapper Labs, which then sells these quote unquote moments that are, I suppose, tokenized. And, and in a sense, there's a tracking method to, as you mentioned, track the authenticity. But other than that token, you don't really own the highlight, which other people can go onto YouTube and watch. What do you say in response to those who then claim you really have nothing of substance in determining what this valuation is. It's purely based on the marketplace. Let me, so if I buy a physical card, I don't own the rights to that picture that was taken. I don't own any form of I intellectual property of that picture, but I own a physical piece of cardboard. Now, my trout card that sold for $5 million, you're not buying a piece of cardboard because that cardboard is valuable. You're buying what is printed on that cardboard and what it represents. Um, with the digital version, no, you don't own the rights to this highlight. If someone shows it on TV, you're not going to get a couple pennies or anything, but you can show, you can you know, have it as your social clout. You can show it in your collectibles. You can prove that you actually own a piece of this. It's a piece of history that you own. And so, yes, without a doubt, at the end of the day, a thing is only as valuable as a marketplace determines as others believe is valuable. But I believe that going forward in the future, we're going to have a world of a whole bunch of digital collectibles. And it's no longer you walk in my house and I'm like, hey, look at this cool game room I have that has all these cool art, jerseys, signed stuff. I'm also going to be like, hey, check out my phone. On my phone, what do I have on there? Oh, I got these collectibles. This one was signed. This one was, you know, actually owned by Terry Rogier and I purchased from him yesterday. Like 
that's, I think, what the new age is. These are a, a new digital experience. Um, and it's, yeah. But is the explosion the byproduct of the fact that this is really the only show in town right now? And, and once there are more applications and perhaps Dapper Labs opens up in UFC, NFL, and, other, and otherwise, do you think that this market in the NBA will either stabilize or, actually, or as I've mentioned on Twitter, perhaps the bottom falls out? I mean, so we have 152,000 accounts when we last checked two days ago. Yesterday, we had 80,000 people fighting for $5,009 packs. Three weeks ago, we had 25,000 people fighting to pay $1,000 for a pack. End of the day, that's 75,000, 100,000 people. How many NBA fans are there? And then what about like, we, we think, I think the market for this is likely going to be a million people by the end of this year. And I think that's going to grow even further. Right now, you need a Google account just to get um, on in, into Top Shot. That's a barrier. That eliminates all of China. Um, I just think that the market just for the NBA is probably going to eventually be something in that like five to 10 million active users. And it'll take time to get there, but it's a global phenomenon. Uh, think about how much reach this has compared to other forms of collectibles where your barriers to entry are being able to have to go to a store where they sell them in your area. You have to be able to be a trusted person on eBay and have access to actually our financial services models. You have to be able to receive that physical item. Here, this digital, yes, it's going to be NBA fans, but I think it's going to breach far beyond that. And uh, when you add a UFC, when you add NFL, when you add Dr. Seuss, when you add these other areas, I think it's not going to think, obviously you're going to have some who said, I joined NBA, but now I'm more interested in NFL, but I don't think it's an either or. I think in general, people are going to be like, oh, I'll join NFL and now I'm going to learn about the others. Oh, I'm going to join this area and it's actually going to be a um, rising tide raise, rises all ships. And the more people that join, the more you understand these other areas and the more people just get a passion for these digital collectibles. What about the theory that the marketplace currently is comprised largely of individuals who are simply looking to buy and sell for gain as opposed to having any care or desire to own the underlying collectible, that they're not buying it to collect? Is there any concern there? Oh, I, I agree. Um, a lot of people, as you said, 80,000 people trying to get $5,009 packs. Why are they doing that? Because those packs are actually worth like $100, $150. So many people right now are in it just for that short, quick kind of uh, return. Now, when there's no longer a positive return on those packs, are we going to still see the same level of engagement? I guess we'll see. But from all the people that I've talked to, I've had so many people that have come out of that I haven't spoken to in years that are texting me throughout this. Once you spend a little time on the site, people just get so engaged. Uh, my brother-in-law, He's got his wife. His wife is not that into sports or anything. And I, we're on the phone and she's in the background just going like, hey, why do I want to buy this buy? I feel like I need to buy this. I feel like you're being too conservative. The level of just engagement in this, I think, from an experiential standpoint, I can't speak to anything other than what my experiences are. I'm going to talk to others, but I'd say go buy a couple moments, spend a couple hours on it and just feel around. Because agreed, majority of people definitely join because they've got a friend that made a good amount of money. Uh, but I think from an experiential, from a UI, uh, from kind of the long term and the way that Dapper Labs has kind of set, the, set their path forward of how they're releasing moments going forward, 
increasing the volume going forward so that the original ones maintain scarcity and the ones going forward are more available to the common user. I think it's just a very strong strategy that's going to continue to keep people engaged at all price points and all levels um, while still preserving kind of the value of the early series one, series two kind of early moments. Are you at all tracking the potential uh, or actual occurrence of market manipulation? Go on, go, go further. Well, I mean, do you think that the market's being manipulated by perhaps uh, a few or a group of early adopters of Top Shot and that perhaps there's groups, whether it be on WhatsApp or Discord or other networks where they're inflating prices uh, based on collective efforts and essentially planning the rise of certain Top Shots and then selling them off. And again, potentially with people holding it and holding the bag in a sense. Right. And so I wouldn't say it's manipulation, but I would say you have the ability, especially in the more rare, higher priced items to have increased influence on the market due to the small scarcity of those. So for example, the series one legendary moments, the cosmics, there's only 49 of them. And majority of them are held by a smaller amount of people. Now, it's not like a small amount, but I would say of those 49, a bunch of people have multiple because if you were an early adopter, you were buying those packs for pretty cheap. Um, now, I wouldn't say it's manipulation where you're talking about something like it's a pump and dump or any of those. Um, obviously, in some corners, we have seen that, you know, hey, someone is passionate about what they you know, believe a player's um, upside is they might start pumping that out and saying like, hey, I think other people should join in on it. And there definitely is some trend there, some motion, probably not much different than what you might see like with uh, you know, the argument around GameStop with the most recent SEC was, I am a believer in GameStop. I love GameStop. I was telling my friends about GameStop and that's forward. Now, I personally, so co-host of a show called Own the Moment. It is a podcast where we talk a lot about Top Shot. It's one from an ethical standpoint. It's one of the things that we've, tried to thread that line of understanding. We know when we talk about a player, there's a chance that it could move the market a small amount. And we've seen it actually happen a couple of times. So from a disclosure standpoint, A, we make sure that anything that we, you know, our investments are fully transparent. You can go to any of the web, there's a few different websites you can go to and see every single thing that's in our portfolio as well as what we bought in the past, however much time period. Um, and the second is, when we're trying to work with our, you know, our followers, our fans, people who are listening to the show, it's less about, I'm going to go tell you a player to pick. And it's more of, I'm going to try to teach you how to improve your process. And we take a lot of the learnings that we have from the daily fantasy sports days, from our other days in other markets and help people, you know, it's not investment advice or anything like that, but it's just, here's our approach and strategy. Here's things we can consider. Here's why I made this purchase in the past. I'm not recommending you purchase it now because I purchased it at $10 and it might be 30 now and it may no longer be a good deal. But when I made that purchase, here was my thought process. So now you might be able to improve your ability to kind of uh, identify opportunities. So you mentioned with regard to your own podcast, potentially causing prices to rise and that you have your disclosures, you're you know well aware of, of what that can lead to. But what do you say about players who are actively posting on social media? And is there any concern about them even having active interests if they're also purchasing top shots in themselves or others and purchasing prior to posting on social media with the knowledge that their posts will cause prices to spike? Is there any issue with that, any concern? 
so from a short-term standpoint, we've done some analysis because we've had about eight or 10 different players who have all made a tweet about top shot. And within about the half hour after that tweet comes out, half hour to 45 minutes, we see their prices jump up and it's anywhere between like, we've seen 30, 30% up to like a hundred percent. Um, about two hours later, an hour to two hours later, those prices actually go back down. And sometimes we've seen them even go below. Um, it is a short-term impact. Um, but I think one of the beauties of this is everything is fully transparent. So if a player was making purchases, unless they're doing it under a fake name, but then when they gave out their name, they changed it or something like we could see what their motivations were. And instead what we're seeing is I think far more uh, just better uses of the platform where it's, we've seen players that are actually heavily engaged, interested. Uh, Halliburton yesterday, I think in an interview was saying like he spent the past two days, just loving the platform, trying to convince his teammates, everyone to jump on it. I think um, he said something about buddy healed, right? <laughs> that, that, that could have been. Yeah. And, um, and then you have like example, like yesterday, Terry Rogier um, was having some engagement where he was like, Hey, if you buy these moments from my account, then not only will I give you a signed either basketball or signed Jersey, I'll also donate a part of it to the charity that he's a part of. And I think that's a cool level of engagement where not only, you know, do you get that short term, okay, we're making the charity, you're getting the engagement with the player. You can also forever see that that moment was held by Terry Rogier. And that kind of becomes the new form of, Hey, this was, this was Don Mattingly's, um, you know, baseball gloves, or this was LeBron James's shoes from a game, but we can, you know, if you say these are LeBron shoes, how do you prove it? Here, we can legitimately prove that this was in Terry Rozier's wallet. Like he owned this moment and he, I got it from him. And that gives that kind of path of ownership, which I think is a, a cool aspect, kind of like a digital signature. All right. So bottom line on Top Shot, you are absolutely on board. How many Top Shots do you currently own? Um, this is publicly, you can go out there. Uh, I don't know the number, but the account valuation is somewhere around like 400,000. 400,000. Wow. So you're all, you're, I mean, somewhat all in you're, you're, you're heavily invested and you believe in it. What let's switch gears briefly to like this digital art. I saw a, a guy named Pranksy yep. purchase two crypto punks, which mm -hmm. are pixelated, <laughs> pixelated digital art. He purchased two crypto punks for 600 Ethereum which is worth roughly $1 million. I mean, yeah. explain to me this craze. I understand it's also technically a collectible, but what's the intrigue there? Oh, and he got a great deal. I think he got an ape and one other one, um, which are, those are great. All right, so Pranksy is one of the original, the OGs of the NFT space. Uh, he is a top five account holder on Top Shot. He's also uh, heavily invested in other areas of NFT. He started his own company where he's trying to um, basically box up his NFTs and gift them out. Um, and so he is definitely heavily in there. CryptoPunks is what we're talking about here. Uh, CryptoPunks is kind of the godfather. It's the, the original NFT. If you are if you are a, um, a bull, um, you know a bull. If you're favorable towards NFTs, this will go down as kind of the first example of it. Now, what are they? There are ten thousand of them. There will only ever be ten thousand. They are pixelated faces. Each face has different characteristics. Some of them have a hat, an earring, a mole, three um, D glasses, um, XR glasses. Each of them have different characteristics. 
And they are currently going for, I think, a floor of around like $25,000. And it's kind of turned into a social clout thing. It is people are putting them as their Twitter profiles. People are just kind of showing them off. And the question is, if you believe that NFTs really do, especially digital art, have that kind of long-term staying power, then this is the opportunity to own one of the only 10,000 of these ever in existence. And so it's kind of like a historical thing um, that without a doubt is riding on the momentum of the people who made a lot of money on crypto. And because it's got the crypto connection, that's where the heavy investment is. But we've also seen a lot of the other big names that people would recognize, Chamath, out of the Warriors, Mark Cuban, a lot of the people who uh, were pretty sure own multiple, um, not a ton of these crypto funds. So, so unlike Top Shot, where I only own really the non-fungible token surrounding this moment, I don't own the actual IP. If I'm purchasing this uh, CryptoPunk, am I the owner of that art? Do you know if at the actual rights are being transferred to me? As far as I understand, you are the owner of that, and that is the only piece of that art. Um, especially in this case, CryptoPunks, it cannot be replicated. It would be a very interesting legal case if someone tried to take a picture of that, create a different non-fungible token outside of CryptoPunks and try to sell that. Um, The one thing is you'd be able to very easily tell that it's a fake and it's not attached to CryptoPunks. Now, could someone create a new form of art where they take all 10,000 and maybe make a quilt out of it and sell that? Maybe it'd be an interesting legal case that we haven't seen yet. So in theory, and I'm getting legal, in theory, you could copyright the image. And then if somebody else, let's say, took it and put it as their Twitter profile picture, you could sue that person for infringement, in theory. Twitter is an interesting example, because if it's a freedom of speech thing and you're not getting profit off of it, am I then not allowed? Putting aside fair use arguments and whatnot, but if I I could essentially register a copyright in that artwork, and then if somebody else uses it commercially, I could potentially go after them for infringement. I think that'd be pretty interesting. I don't know the answer, but uh, I wouldn't be shocked if that ended up being a legal case and we'd see how that kind of stems. I wonder if you, I was gonna say, if you created a piece of art and you sold it to me, the only one, and I now own that art. From a legal standpoint, if somebody then tried to put that on a shirt, who can sue who and who wins? Right, it depends on who, uh, who owns the copyright. Typically the artist, whomever the creator is, owns the copyright to the image. And unless there's some sort of assignment, the, co- the, the artist would retain rights. Okay. So that's why I wonder when, yeah, I don't know you that. Know, whomever created CryptoPunks, are they also transferring the right title and interest to the consumer who purchases. And I don't know the answer to that. I was wondering if you may. That's a good question. I'm not sure. So where do you see this space going? I mean, it's, it's crazy to me because now you actually have everyone talking about NFTs and you have a lot of people talking about Top Shot. And I think you also have a lot of FOMO. You have a lot of people who weren't early adopters of Top Shot don't really grasp what it's all about and may actually not even be on board with it and not have any desire to collect it, but feel as though they don't want to miss out on this opportunity. Where do you see this going? Yeah. And I mean, like, so let's talk from a short term first. The prices for all of these are crazy. Like, are we at the highest hype right now? 
I don't know. Or really is this just the highest hype within the 2% of people who are kind of clued into this? That could be as well. So I'm not trying to prognosticate on what happens with the prices of these in the short term going forward. But from a long term is where I have more confidence in kind of the staying power of these. Now, within NFTs, you have more and more popping up. A lot of them are going to be, I don't want to say scams, but they're probably get quick rich, you know, get rich quick schemes. Um, we've seen with some of the NFTs where the early adopters make money, they sell out, and then it kind of just dies away. And majority of it just doesn't have long-term staying power. And so Roham, who's the C um, CEO or one of the co-leads, co-founders of Dapper Labs, had a great tweet on this earlier today. And he mentioned that, hey, if you're you know, analyzing, you're investigating NFTs, take a look at, does it, is it creating a community that has staying power for 5, 10, 20 years in the future? If it is just creating some one-off random NFT art and you think, you know, hey, there's some buzz around it and you're trying to kind of sell that um, or hold it long-term, but there's not that community, there's not that value that's being seen, maybe that's a bit more, be a little more critical, be a little more skeptical. Um, when you look at things around like the MBA, when you look at things around these, you have markets that already exist. And so that it's, it's not trying to create a new market, but bring an existing market into your product. That's where I see there being long-term value. And uh, so those are the ones I would probably keep the largest, you know, my eye on whether or not Pokemon eventually gets into something like this, whether or not you see areas where there's already that staying power of the larger community. And now this is just a valuable, high opportunity to uh, um, build something for that community. Well, this is very enlightening. I, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with NFTs and in particular Top Shot over not only the coming months and years, but over the coming days. There's just so many transactions occurring. Do you know how many over the past like 24, 48 hours in terms of monetary value, how much in, in uh, transactions there have been on, on Top Shot? Yeah, it's something like 20, 30 million. Um, and transaction fees of like 5%. I mean, that's one thing we didn't really discuss, but mm -hmm. there are significant fees associated with it. You think they're justified? Yeah, I mean, if you're trying, it's a marketplace. If you're doing on eBay, it's more than 5% when you include shipping and everything. Um, so I think, yeah, you are creating a, an opportunity for people. It is a very seamless, you know, they're trying to build towards a seamless experience. When it's working well, it's very seamless. Obviously, it's still beta, it's still technical. Uh, but I just pulled up some numbers here. So today's sale volu sales volume is 18 million. There are 20,000 market buyers as of today, 12,000 market sellers. Uh, and those are actually down a little from the past uh, two days before that. Um, it's, it, it's crazy. And I think if you take a look at Topshot compared to the larger market, I think it's got about around half of all uh, activity from NFTs is within the Topshot world. Justin, where can people follow you? Name is at Justin Herzig, H-E-R-Z-I-G. But more importantly, if you're interested in this stuff, uh, take a look at our Twitter account at OwnTheMomentNFT. And if you are new to this space, we actually have a very generous OG of the Top Shot space who's joining our show Friday night and gifting up to $15,000 worth of moments. Um, so there's a contest, go to that Twitter account. All you got to do is retweet. It's a great entry point where he's going to tell his story about his origin in this. And, uh, really we're bringing on people of all different levels. So interested to have people there. That's awesome. Thanks for joining. Thanks, Darren.